So tonight, we have our special friend calling in from Ottawa, Brian J. Martin. Hello, Mr. Martin. Hello, T.O. We're talking tonight, technology, communication, and relationships. And just to note, we have a, you know, that voyeur who sits in uh, <laughs> on the other side of the glass. Her name is, well, you know. If we, if, well, to be fair, hey, Joni, if it's Hi, to be Brian. fair, it, she's not a voyeur tonight. No, that she's would a, be a voyeuse. She's not a voyeuse. Wow. You're right, it would be feminine. She's a troll. A troll? Troll. You mean one of those little cute trolls with that with the hair that stands up and like in pink and wish if you wish. I was just thinking we're talking technology, so rather than being a voyeur, you can be a troll. If you wish. Troll isn't nice though. I'd I I could be a lurker, but not a troll. (laughs) Well we'll see by the end of the show today. Yep, we'll get more into it. We can we can check in again how you identify. Okay. That is true. You and can you can label me later. We're not labeling anyone. <laughs> this is all about self-identification. You know that by now. You called me a troll. I'm suggesting. Maybe he was alluding to your behavior rather oh than you. Come on. What's the response? Look at this. Her mouth is agape. I'm hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to provide some literal context here because people can't see this. You, you see me as a troll? Really? No. Okay. But we're trying to be provocative anyways. To but you try know to... what troll means. It's it's not a nice thing to be a troll. What's a troll a mean? Troll? Yeah, a troll is... I'm totally a troll. I, I, I put this post out um, and, you know, I, but I see we're getting to 815, so... No, no, we're fine. It's only eight oh nine almost here. Oh, you got to see. Your, I don't know what time zone you're in. Time zone in in Ottawa I'm, I'm is different. You're ahead of us. Of, of us. Well, yeah. I mean, they, you know, people have said I'm ahead. Um, I when I sent out this elaborate post oh, about two and a half years ago now on Facebook, I basically said I'm tired of all the you know the the back and forth and and it's just become a B, bitch fest and all the rest of it, and yada, 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 yada. So, you know, I love you all. Please forgive me. I'm finishing with Facebook. And that was it. And I stopped posting regularly, and I stopped jumping in regularly. But what I had become, or have become, in fact, is a troll. Now, I'm passive, to be sure. I mean, I do jump in. I give the odd check mark. I might, uh, and that's about it. I'm not being on Amocons. Uh, uh, um, so that's it. But, I mean, that's what I was suggesting, is that rather than so it's not negative no that's a lurker that's That's a lurker brian see now isn't that interesting a troll a troll is please please distinguish them for us a troll is someone who um makes makes inflammatory statements just to get people going oh and just to get get some flaming going on the on the discussion and they do it just to provoke uh, discord. That's it's it's a very actually a really negative thing to say about someone. Okay. Well, what about being a pro- provocateur then? Provocateur. That could be actually be um, pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> and the difference between a provocateur and a troll? A troll doesn't argue with facts. A, a troll just inflames. It's just looking for negative yeah. reactions. Yeah. 
and so provocateur is necessarily not negative. It's looking for some kind of reaction response that yeah. provides. Okay. But without the kind of malevolence to it. All right. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Already, we're barely we're barely ten minutes in, and already there's an interesting. I know. You know it, it's all just for me. It was I was always um, accustomed to a troll. Not necessarily being, there is definitely a negative connotation, but I didn't think it was something that was the, the complete. Like, it wasn't, nope, if you're a troll, there is something negative with your activity online. So that's good. That's good. I'm glad so now you know when people call you a troll, they're, they're, they're not, it's not benign. Okay. And how does this distinguish from that pinky, hairy thing that you were referencing earlier, too? That's well, a troll, too. I think those are kind of a 60s, 70s version of of the nasty uh, character under the bridge who who uh, asks riddles, and if you don't know the answer, they they cook you up in a pot and eat you for dinner. Yeah, I, you know, I don't go back to those dates, you know, in a way. I was just thinking of a group from the 60s. But then I corrected myself. Made, oh, the trogs? Made, yeah, yeah, that's right. I was oh, thinking of the okay. trolls. But then I said, no, it's not the trolls. It's the trogs. Wow, the we're trogs. old. <laughs> <laughs> People were the, the trogs? Right. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Troglodyte. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well done, G. So tonight, we're doing technology communication relationships. What do you find is the most often form of communication that you do? I'm um, okay. Well, I'm dating myself as well. I I find myself to be try to be uh, engage everyone vocally. So I I do much as I'd like to consider myself an introvert. I do like to talk. Um, I find that communications because it's who I am and and what I do for a living is a very integral part of uh, of human relations. Um, but I see that there's been a tremendous change over the. Um, uh, over the years, so that now a lot of my communication is electronic, um, primarily through email. And when did you sort of start to transition from the way with the verbal, interpersonal, like in, in person type, to more? Well, it's interesting because I would say certainly um, late 90s, um, early new millennium, if you will, it started becoming actually harder to get a hold of people in a way, by phone, for instance, it, it wasn't a guarantee that you could get a hold of someone by phone, whereas it wasn't that long ago that we didn't have cell phones. Um, so if you're going to call somebody, there was only certain times you could do it, but you were pretty much guaranteed that they'd be available. And people made themselves available because they knew if they wanted to be in touch, that was the way to do it. Now, as a result of cell phones, everyone can go about their business more so than ever before and still be... Uh, contactable, it's not a word, I apologize, but it'd still be relatively easy to be to, to contact people. And so I've, I've seen almost a shift in the way that um, we've gotten a bit more casual about our availability and or, or our accessibility. We've become quite commonplace with the notion that, oh, well, I've got myself, so they can get me. But I think it's a little weird. Like, I came to the conclusion very recently that these days now you have to text someone to ask them when you can phone them. Have you found that? Isn't that interesting? 
I've not gotten there yet, but I cannot help but feel that it is not too long away for many of the people in my circle, if you will. And how strange is that, that you have to make two connections in yeah. order to, to bring about what would normally be a simple conversation? Well, people now are more selective about when they're available by phone. And you wonder if that's not a pushback to the to the essence of a phone being a cell phone. Since I mean, now we're I mean, it's almost commonplace that you know somebody who doesn't even have a landline. I'm one of them. I mean, when we moved um, when we moved out of uh, GTA out to, to Ottawa, I never bothered to get hooked up. It was just ugh, I got a cell, she's got a cell, get a hold of us that way. Uh, and we've never made the, the move. So. You, you wonder if there's not been a bit of a pushback in the last few years where people are like, okay, this thing is going to go off all the time. It's the only way to get a hold of me, and I can't tuck it away because there's that addiction to it as well for figuring you miss a call. So you, you have to, you've created your own screen, if you will. So like cell phones are a transition from landlines some way, right? There were landlines. Obviously, there was something before that. Then what transition really before cell phones really became. There were pagers. Remember pagers? Yes. <laughs> People would leave, you know, some kind of thing to let you know you get this display message on your pager and call what so-and-so. And then yep. you would use your phone to call so-and-so. Or you would run to a pay phone, as I've done the odd time. I've never had a pager. When I had, an, uh, when I had a personal um, digital device, um, if you will, um, that's when I would actually go to a payphone and then call the number that was sent to me by um, by the message. So mm -hmm. there you go. I actually had a pager up until very recently at the job, my last job. Um, it didn't even; it wasn't even a message pager. It was just like the the phone number would come up. And I think I, I used to joke that we were the only ones left with pagers, except for for drug dealers <laughs> how would you know this thanks Greg yeah, yeah, yeah. Come I on. watch a lot of TV yeah <laughs> Starsky and Hutch yeah. <laughs> awesome by the way one of my favorite shows anyway. yeah so the pager has gone away from your daily use right oh, finally yeah and so you rely what's your pr predominant form of communication that thing you're attached to with oh, in your hands right now? I'm a complete Facebook addict. I'm, I'm, my daughter has forbidden me to go on Tumblr. Um, Why is that? She's on it and she's got a whole bunch of stuff she doesn't yeah, want you to see? Yeah, pretty much. And she doesn't want me, you know, doing anything like her. You know, she has to have ownership of it. You know, these millennials, they're... Territorial? Yeah. Very much so. Um, so I'm not on Twitter. I'm. I mean, it's all I can do to to not get sucked into the vortex of Facebook forever and ever, and not ever do another thing. <laughs> you you are a very prominent user. Yes. Of Facebook. I am. You do have a, you know, the finger does move a lot well, from yeah. finding something to posting something. I'm a communicator. Greg, I don't, I don't know what I can tell you. I'm a Gemini. I'm a communicator. I'm communicating all the time. What's the message you're trying to communicate? I'm here to communicate with. 
is there though an intentional message that you're trying to let others know about you that communication is a good thing well yeah yeah don't keep it all bottled up inside it's good let to it out. it's good Vent. to come out and say what's on your mind well yeah but then we've seen the downside of that haven't we where it just seems like well, well tr- trolls my, by the way yeah. trolls and an eminent amount of verbal diarrhea. I mean, it's what chased me off of Facebook myself because it was just, it stopped being about, it didn't have to be deep, meaningful conversation, but it just, it it quit for me. It quickly became about every little itch and scratch that was on someone's mind, they had to post. And it stopped being about anything really substantive. so for me, it just stopped being a conversation because for me, by almost by definition, if it's a conversation, there's got to be some sort of substance or you're not communicating anymore. You're just talking for the sake of hearing your own voice. And Right, with a, communi- with a conversation, I believe it's uh, a flowing you know, pattern of words and expressions so it goes from you to somebody else and back and forth exactly whereas instead of just going out and not coming back back. and i think that's where we've we've really lost many of our and it's interesting i know we're going to get into it a little further but i think that's where we set ourselves up for the failure because as a result of the one-way essentially one-way conversation um you're not looking at someone's eyes you're not getting a sense of are they really with me in the conversation are they getting what i'm saying it's just blah, 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 post, and then you wait for the responses. Check mark here, you know, EvilCon, something, 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 uh, you know, and then it's, so it becomes more self-involved, self-engaged. It's like, this is what I think, and I'm going to post it, and less about, I guess what you're not, you're not getting the buy-in immediately that you would as a result of, I mean, even as we've had conversations on air, you and I, Greg, it's, it's been just a little bit more difficult because I I don't have that eye contact. Am I going the right? Is the flow okay? Am I talking too much? I'm sitting at the, on the phone in Ottawa right now, thinking, have I dominated the conversation too much? Because I can't look in Greg's eyes and be able to say, yeah, okay, Greg and Joni are still with me. It's incredible, but we've become so commonplace with this now that I think we've lost the art of communication in many ways, and we set ourselves up for tension and. Uh, and, and a measure of failure as a result. I think it's just changed. I don't think it's lost. Um, I, I'm on Facebook a lot, as Greg says, and I think we pick up cues that aren't the same cues that we have learned to pick up in face-to-face communication or even telephone communication, but we've learned how to pick up cues from, let's say, someone not responding right away or someone responding with an emoji or or a question mark or something like that. There, it, It's like these new, new kinds of signals are emerging. And, I, and to what you were saying earlier, I think that there's a, a lack, there's an alienation that's going on with, without the face-to-face response. It's like, it's like they used to say about warfare, all of a sudden you just push a button instead of yeah. looking at the person who you're going to stick through with the bayonet, you know, instead of looking at them in the eye. And, and I think you're right. I think there's, 
that there is a, not a sense of ownership over what you're saying and, and accountability for the impact of that on the people that you're communicating it to. And, and people don't even realize just how far these communications go and, and that they're broadcasting these things. Until it goes wrong in many cases. Yeah. And then we hear about the, um, we hear about people that are being scammed or, um, you know, those people who have bad intentions or just, it's just incredible what, what happens. And we've become too casual with the notion of, well, this is what's on my mind and this is what's coming on out of my, out of my hands and it's going online and that's it. I've, I'm, because there's a certain sense of ownership, there's this element of power. Um, it's the ultimate in terms of self um, uh, indulgence, indulgence or, or, or gratitude, if you will, because no one can stop you from saying it. Um, it's not like being at a party where you can't say something rude because you know the host, the hostess will kick you out, or someone will smack you, or throw water, throw their wine in your face, any number of different things. Now you can post it especially with the element of being anonymous, you can say whatever you want, and that's it. And there's tremendous amount of power in that, but there's a measure of responsibility that I, I really wonder how many people are taking on as, as much as they could or, or should. Yeah, but have has technology been the producer of the changes, or have people intentionally produced technology so that it creates these changes? It's a good question. I, I think technology has outpaced our repertoire of behaviors that kind of create norms for behavior. You know what I mean? Like the, the technology has is so fast and everything's changing so much that we haven't caught up as a, a society in terms of developing a set of manners or a set of uh, some etiquette for mm -hmm. I mean it's coming along but it, it it can't keep pace so I think there's some big blunders and sometimes people's whole reputations and lives are destroyed well look at the the space of the environs where technology is developed for the most part it's in a very condition controlled setting where there's not a lot of interaction with the public because it's created for confidential reasons, you know, uh, intellectual property, because you don't want it to get out there, somebody else will get it, and then they'll get the benefit of when it goes to market. So it's contained, and there's no sense of foresight with regard to the potential impacts of developing this new app or this new kind of technology form, and then it goes out, and then it has an, a consequence. It's not always positive. No, and, and when you think of it from the very beginning, it, it's a commercial undertaking. So uh, there, there will be checks and balances to a certain extent. But um, you know, ask Mr. Facebook how that's working for him. He's a billionaire, and he's quite content to be one. You know, and every so often he'll pop, they'll they'll pop on and make sure that uh, people are behaving to a certain extent. But you know, if, if it was a decision that would impact the amount of money that they're making at Facebook Inc. or whatever they're calling it, it may, he may not lean in the direction that, that those of us in society would hope for because if it's going to impact his, uh, his profitability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll talk more about that. We've got to take another break. 
We are back. Our conversation tonight is called Technology, Communication, and Relationships with Greg and Joni. So just to ask, because we're not in the same space here, and we can't see each other, and we can't talk off air, how'd you know to do what you just did when we came back from commercials? How'd you know it was the right? In this case, because I have a script. (laughs) We communicated, right? In advance, we created some concrete actions and timelines. Yes, indeed, because when we discussed, well, we've always had scripts, but we certainly, when you and I talked about um, being me being able to get back on air um, as a co-host, one of the first things that we wanted to discuss was, well, how do we keep pace? How do we keep you engaged in me, engaged in the conversation? And so the script for us was... Um, a necessary, in many ways, an obvious way for us to do just that. Yeah, because, you know, in the past, when you were living locally, you know, we'd be in the same room and we could communicate directly, yep. whether it's with the spoken word or a lot with the nonverbal stuff. We use the hand gestures, etc. Exactly. And the script then, the script was as much just for us to keep pace with what was uh, what was going on, um, the flow of the conversation. But but again, the flow of the conversation would be such that with the two of us in the room, uh, we could see, we, we did have those other nonverbal elements of communication that, may, that helped us maintain the flow. And be organized and sound like we seem to know what we're talking about. <laughs> I think we pull it off brilliantly, but that's me. Yeah, you know, perception can be the greater reality than actuality. <laughs> Yeah. Any, any thoughts on that? Uh, Just perception is everything. Or can be, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of people base their realities on. Yeah, even if it's not real, if there's a perception, it's, you know, as if it was real. Right, and that's why a lot of times situations are not, not necessarily what they seem to be. And they tend to gravitate towards, quote, negative conflict and issues in relationships. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how have you been affected with regard to technology and in relationships? Me? Yeah. Any impact on you as an individual? Um, no, it's just kind of gone from waiting for him to call to waiting for him to text. So with uh, technology being more immediate, yeah. does that sort of heighten or bring forward even more so the expectation of, timeliness or being on time or your sense relative to his sense i think there are always like there are all kinds of little differences and it goes both ways it's kind of like with texting you can text back and forth while you're in meetings at work while you're grocery shopping while you're not driving not driving ever but while you're doing other things, but what, to have a telephone conversation like in the old days, or you kind of had to wait more for contact. For that was the expectation because that's how. Yeah. That was the norm. It wasn't immediate gratification. It it was, and so, and then our expectations change too when when there's the texting too because if if you don't get the text right back, it's like oh. What does that mean? There should be a study on the correlation with the uh, speed of technology and transmission of of the message, for example, with 
the change of people in terms of expectations on getting, you know, when they send out some kind of message, they're expecting something back. I'd be surprised if there wasn't research on it. It's true. And I find it fascinating because, especially now that I'm, I'm out of town, if you will, uh, I do get more people, like a buddy of mine, will be texting back and forth, you know, several times a week just chatting, you know. Two guys who waited entirely too long before we had kids, and they're killing us. So, um, metaphorically, not physically, not, not literally. But it's interesting because I know that there have been a few times now where I sent a text, and I'm like, Chris, what's up, man? You know, he hasn't gotten back to me. And then, I'm, and then I find myself making, not so much making excuses, but I'm like putting myself in his circumstance for a moment thinking, well, you know, it's you know, whatever time and, and, you know, could be something to do with the kids or something else. And, whereas I don't remember being quite so... Considerate? Stressed. Oh, not so much stressed. Or I mean, considerate. Like, Did you allow for that kind of gap between what you expected and what might be actually resulting? Well, it's... I, I don't think I'm, I'm kidding myself that back in the day, and I love the way we talk about it all being <laughs> so long gone, I'm a, I'm a Luddite and I'm, I'm at peace with that. But I think back in the day when it was an email, it was whatever. You know, you just kind of had this expectation that they'll get back to you when they get back to you. Because we weren't, you know what it is? There wasn't that element of instant communication. And so there's instant communication has begun instant gratification there's no reason because we all have smartphones because we're always hooked up 24 7 so why in life didn't you get back to me immediately because i know that there's no discernible excuse why you couldn't have gotten back to me immediately whereas it wasn't that long ago where you could send someone an email and if it was a day or so meh it's it is what it is because you don't have internet access at home or you what you you were you were reasonably content. I don't think many of us are, that are there anymore. I think a lot of us want to know why someone's not and got back to us immediately. Well, and the, I think it, 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 we set ourselves up for unnecessary stress and tension. The problem is it's, it's just so open to interpretation. You know, you don't really, you don't really know. And then you make assumptions about yeah. why someone isn't getting back to you. And really, they might be in the shower or someone might have called or who, who knows what's happened. And don't you feel like it wasn't that long ago where we give somebody the benefit of the doubt and now there's just that, it's, to me it feels like there's that extra bit of pressure because of the technology that we're not getting the same responsiveness in the time, in, a, in what we consider, it's like we've ramped up everything in terms of feedback, response, uh, the, the, and as a result we're, we're setting ourselves up for potential stress and tension and conflict. I think even more so, like it's permeated our whole lives in terms of, even let's say in terms of healthcare, where we expect everything to happen so fast, but people aren't smartphones. People are people. They're human beings who need time to heal or they need time, you know, but there's just no allowance for things to take their own time and to and for silence and for for not communicating. So, so how can this or does impact individuals in terms of how they see themselves relative to the world and the world relative to them? 
and I'm getting to a point with this, so I just want you know to throw it I out think, there. I think we set ourselves up for failure. I really do. I think we we become so engaged in that um, response from someone else that we stop relying fully upon ourselves for um, who we are, what we what matters to us. All those little elements of engagement of self actualization that weren't that uncommon years ago. Do we, has that changed the way we, our mental health? Has it impacted our mental health in any way? Possibly? It's quite possible, but you know, when the telephone was invented, there were all kinds of dire warnings about how, you know, society would fall apart and people mm. wouldn't come over and chat with their neighbor anymore. Yeah. And everything was going to fall apart. And I think it's just that the change is so fast. You know, it's the rate of change that, that makes it so difficult to keep up with and for us to be able to cope. And I think in that way, mental health um, is, is compromised. But I think that there's a flip side to it, too, where you can access people and not be as isolated because of social media and because of all the different ways that you can communicate now. And um, like, for instance, on Facebook, I've connected with friends from high school, from from childhood, people all over the world. I keep in touch with them in ways that I couldn't keep in touch with them, you know, when we're writing actual letters. So there are pluses and minuses, I think. So I read an article, the Toronto Star, by uh, somebody named Emma Title. She has a he, uh, what do we call it, a, a post every week, for sure. So it's April 6th, Toronto Star. I, you know, a lot of it's interesting. The title is called The Inward Emptiness of Social Media. And let me read out points from it. So in 1925, English novelist and outcast Virginia Woolf wrote about what happens to a person when she spends her entire life trying to fit in. Once conform, once do what other people do, because they do it. And a lethargy steals over all the finer nerves and faculties of the soul. She becomes all outer show and inward emptiness, dull, callous, and indifferent. So, part of the rest of it goes, in fact, outer show and inward emptiness could serve as the medium's official tagline, not to mention the caption beneath every Twitter selfie of Kylie Jenner. In the same vein, there are no words more precise than dull, callous, and indifferent to describe the emotional after effect of scrolling your way into a funk on Facebook and Instagram where you've inwardly begrudged the success and beauty of other people, all the while attempting to make your own appear far greater than it actually is. For proof, no, look no further than the University of Pittsburgh, let's say, where researchers recently determined via a large study that social media use is significantly associated with increased depression. The study, conducted in 2014, uh, sampled nearly 1,800 millennials and concluded that more than a quarter had high indicators of depression. Participants were given a depression assessment toolkit and a questionnaire about time spent on a handful of the world's most popular social media platforms. And what do you know? 
Those who used social media most frequently were 2.7 times more likely to be depressed than their less active peers. We had expected a U-shaped curve, according to the researchers, with a higher risk of depression being correlated with no social media use at all or excessive use. But instead, what we found was a straight line. More social media use was associated with more depression in a linear, linear fashion. It may be that people who already are depressed are turning to social media to fill a void. Or it may be that the more you use social media, the sadder you feel. Or, to borrow from Wolf, the emptier you become. Why is this? Highly idealized representations of peers on social media may elicit feelings of envy and the distorted belief that others lead happier, more successful lives. There's also cyberbullying and other similar negative reactions. So, comments? I must admit, the one thing that I've just never been able to wrap my head around, and I, I realize it's, it's almost to epidemic proportions, is the notion of cyberbullying. It's always just struck me as so much unnecessary effort. Um, and to what extent, I just, I don't know. But it's reality, there's no question about it. It's, it's there, it's something that's, um, we're forever fighting as a as a parent it's something that I worry about for my boys down the line when they get old enough because you know there's only so much you can do to protect your own children I mean as parents it's what we what we hope to do um, yeah it's, um, so yeah we need to go to break but I want to continue a little bit which is the most prominent which is that the, the most prominent solution to this what is being stated in the article mm-hmm. is a catch-22 we live in an age saturated with major corporate sponsored mental health awareness campaigns like bells let's talk that are well-meaning and for some effective they dominate our news feeds and command the attention of our political leaders etc but the shortfall of these campaigns and the troubling irony inherent in them is that they live almost exclusively on social media yeah so the, the thing is that they help contribute to the issue in which they're trying to change or recognize that there's an issue. And so the form and manner in which they're doing it is it's a direct link. Can I just say yeah, quick. quickly? Yeah. Um, I just think bullying is bullying. I mean, I, I was bullied as a child, and it I don't think that cyberbullying is really any worse um, than just regular bullying at school or wherever and I think it's just the medium it's just the the content is different but what's behind it is the same and those are the things that we need to address why people need to bully each other in the first place it's looking at more than just bullying though it's looking at the contribution the effect impact of social media on individuals and the fact that individuals are using it as a means and it has an impact a consequence and it may be contributing as well to that whole issue of depression as well of course more study needs to be done at the same time raising these as potential issues or issues we need to have conversations anyways and not keep it in the dark per se so uh, is communication overrated in relationships no no next question that was way too easy well, you got to give a little context. Give us a little depth with that. Unless you mean um, lack of communication. 
you know i mean that's that's often what destroys relationships well isn't isn't non-communication still a form of communication so it's just another way of doing it do we always have to speak to communicate we talked about that we don't no we don't um but i think we do have to communicate in some way that's acceptable to both parties because there's certainly there are circumstances where we feel we're communicating but the messaging is not getting through and i'm sure many of us or at least several of us have gotten ourselves into trouble in the past thinking that we are communicating only to find out that our message is not getting out yeah and if we're not communicating or checking in with each other we're often making assumptions interpreting people's actions or the face they're making or whatever you know when you when someone makes a face and you feel it oh they're mad at me and really they've got a bit of indigestion you know like it's good to communicate about these things yeah but i already know that person i know what to expect i know that's what attracted me in the first place so i i learned all about that so now i can we can work you know we can you do never know it all you never know it all it's always good to check in with people absolutely yeah yeah, it's essential. Yeah, and then what? We rely on the... I'll send them a text? A text will do sometimes. It's better than nothing. Yeah, whatever works. Well, that's, we see that, but that's part of the communications. That you, you even Something as simple as, as determining what's a good way to be in contact with someone can make a difference. Yeah, but look at all the risks involved with uh, the non-verbal form use of technology, email, text... There's no emotion attached to it. There's no expressions where you can see the uh, gestures and the facial expressions of the person. So there's no real context for words. Oh, there's so many, so much context. It's just different. It's just different context. Different. When, when you get really um, proficient in communicating um, electronically, you pick up the cues. It, they're just different cues. If you're receptive and you're responsive to that, mm-hmm. we have to have a sense of openness to mm-hmm. provide that in communication and re- healthy relationships. It's not all about me or I. It's about us and we. Mm-hmm. So I'm sending you something. You may not clearly understand what I intended mm-hmm. from the message, too. So I can't just be positioned to say, what? It's communication skills. It's just newer a newer form of communication skills. We're always learning new communication skills. Well, we're always presented with possibilities. Whether we utilize them in a positive, healthy way yeah, is another question, maybe. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. and it, but it's up to us to, to determine if the different means of communication are acceptable in a given relationship. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's also nothing wrong with making sure as Joni's saying, that, that that is something that still remains current. So we, I'm sure it, you, you set yourself up for failure if you just assume that you can continue to text someone or send an email and they'll get back to you when they get back to you. There's nothing wrong with, with looking for the cues, the, the, the hints that the, um, the way you communicate with someone may not be in their best interest or in the best interest of your relationship anymore. There's nothing wrong with that. What, what do you account for, too, with the individuality of people, the difference? If I'm, you know, if someone's more passive or introverted and you're communicating, 
by text with someone who's more expressive or out extroverted, isn't there some kind of risk there? Same as when you're communicating the old ways. You know, you get an introvert and an extrovert, and and there isn't always the greatest amount of understanding, and that's where where your communication skills come into play. Where you can, where you explain to the person what it means when you don't, when you just want to hide in your room. It doesn't mean you don't like them. It means you're an introvert and you need need time to gather up your energy by yourself. So it it all comes down to communication skills. Mm-hmm. Having healthy conversations. Mm-hmm. Be they by whatever means you have available to you at the time. Yeah. So. I, I, I want to put out there, too, that healthy can mean that we're not always agreeing with the other person. You yeah. Can, we can have very productive, provocative conversations that are still positive. And, oh, absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and you can have some big fights by text message, too. Yeah. And the thing is, once you've texted it or written it on on a message in social media, it's oh, in writing. <laughs> Which means it stays there, or it's accessible by others, or something? Well, and it can be forwarded, it can be sent to your workplace. I I think people are just starting to get the idea of the power of that send button, and once once you've pressed it, it's out there, and you have no control over what happens to those words. Yeah, the power of... Enough of us have have at least one story in our lives where we hit send, and only afterwards we're like, oh, good Lord, what have I done? Most embarrassing moments Either to that person or even, oops, I sent it to the wrong person. To your whole mailing list. Oh, (laughs) Oh. oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, there's there's been something, you know, you just, Mm -hmm. I think we've all heard the story where someone's either sent, they they weren't, um, let's just say, uh, fully in command of their uh, functions, uh, i.e. drunk, or... Uh, just something. I mean, it's, it's become part of the urban lore now that, that someone we know has sent out an email they had no business sending, but uh, and they've had to live with the consequences. So any closing real short thoughts as we close out this show? There was uh, just one thing I was thinking about that we we're not totally at the at the mercy of social media. We have blocking, we have unfriending, we have deleting, we have all kinds of things. We can take matters into our own hands. Okay, Brian, you quick. Um, at the uh, at the end of the day, just, you know, I'm old school, so you know, take a step in someone else's shoes. Think about what that message is going to be like when they get it, and if it's uh, and that will help you. That'll help coach what you are sending out. So. They'll appreciate your method of communication and what you say. Okay, I want to thank each of you for communicating and helping to contribute through this form of technology. (laughs) And we have good relationships, so I used all our our words for tonight. All right. Okay, so you've been listening to Mediation Station on CHHA 1610 AM.